Good morning. In today's headlines, Florida's race for governor is nearing the finish line. We have the highlights from DeSantis and Chris's first and only debate before the midterms. A nail-biter in Nevada, candidates are neck and neck in a U.S. Senate race that could determine which party controls the Senate. Fentanyl deaths in the U.S. are on the rise. Find out what Arizona's Republican nominee for governor has to say about the epidemic. China allegedly trying to recruit spies on American soil. However, their plan took a twist when the person China tried to bribe turned out to be a double agent working for the U.S. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. It's a Tuesday, mo Tuesday morning today, October 25th. Where'd the month go? Kevin? I know, right? Time is passing way too fast these days. I know, yes. And we're heading right into election season. We had a debate last night. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis met his Democratic opponent, Charlie Crist, on the debate stage. The two gubernatorial candidates battled over topics like abortion, illegal immigration, crime, education, and vaccine mandates. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more from their first and only debate before the midterms. Monday's debate started out fierce and didn't let up. I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Crist. Despite Crist questioning DeSantis repeatedly about whether or not he would commit to a full term if re-elected, the incumbent governor did not say if he was going to run for president in 2024. Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're re-elected governor of Florida? It's not a tough time. question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. Christ is a former congressman who resigned in August this year. He served as Florida's attorney general from 2003 to 2007 and as Florida's governor as a Republican from 2007 to 2011 before switching parties. He dug in on issues like abortion and immigration, ridiculing DeSantis for sending illegal immigrants out of state and accusing him of not wanting to fix the problem. You can change policy and do what's right to secure the border by having comprehensive immigration reform. That's what I voted for in Congress. When you were in Congress, you wouldn't do it because you want to keep this issue alive, you want to have it as a wedge issue, and you want to pull political stunts like you did with the taxpayers' dollars of the people of Florida. DeSantis defended his actions, saying the border was in much better shape in January of 2021. It's sad that it comes to this, but what we did put this issue front and center. Uh, I think we need to reinstitute Remain in Mexico, and I think we need to secure the border because the fentanyl is absolutely out of control. The two also discussed education and critical race theory in the classroom, as well as COVID-19 vaccine mandates in schools. DeSantis asserted his opposition to students being forced to get the jab and says as long as he's governor, he will not subcontract out parental rights. Charlie Chris wants to force students to get the COVID shot. Uh, we passed a bill to prevent that. He opposed the bill when we did it. I think this is a parent's decision. Uh, I think it's wrong to force this on these kids. And as long as I'm governor, as parents, you're going to have the ability to make that decision. Both candidates say they would support the death penalty for school shooters like the one in Parkland. Chris is currently trailing in the polls behind the incumbent governor. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
the race for Nevada's U.S. Senate seat is shaping up to be one of the closest in the country. This as both candidates hope their messages on abortion, immigration, inflation and public safety will tip the balance in their favor. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. The stakes for Democratic U.S. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto and Republican challenger Adam Laxalt are especially high. It's about our families. It's about every opportunity. It's about, you know, having that good job and have a roof over your head and be able to afford health care and all of the challenges that, that face us. The winner could determine which party controls the Senate and the GOP considers Nevada one of its best opportunities to turn a blue seat into red. People are as upset as they've ever been with what's happening to America. They can't believe that Joe Biden and Kathy Cortez Masto have done this much damage to our great country and to our great state in just two short years. The race has become increasingly neck and neck in recent weeks with many polls showing the candidates just a percentage point or two apart. As election day draws near, both are continuing to follow the same campaign playbooks as their national parties. Laxalt has been focusing on the economy, while Cortez Masto has been rallying voters around threats to abortion access. Two years from now, you could be looking at a completely different state that is not gonna be friendly to workers, not gonna be friendly to women, you know, um, you really have to pay attention. Laxalt calls himself pro-life and has the endorsement of the National Right to Life Advocacy Group. However, his campaign has worked to keep the focus on issues like immigration and the economy rather than abortion. He has repeatedly cited rising gas prices and inflation as reasons voters should choose him over Cortez Masto. He believes in uh, everything Trump has tried to do when he was president that Biden undid, and look what happened to the nation. It's just getting worse and worse. Both candidates have used their experience as former attorneys general to demonstrate their support for law enforcement. Laxalt has been endorsed by former President Trump and former President Barack Obama announced plans to rally for Cortez Masto and other Democratic incumbents in the state. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Two weeks until midterm elections. And Democrats are trying to hold on to their slim majorities in the House and Senate. A key Senate raise is taking place in Pennsylvania tonight. All eyes are on Pennsylvania in the fight for control of the Senate, as Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz share a stage for the first time. Thank you very much. The race to fill the seat of retiring Republican Senator Pat Toomey has played out as a bitter long-distance duel, with a sharp focus on Fetterman's recovery from a near-deadly stroke in May. It's the elephant in the room uh, having, having a stroke. At a weekend campaign stop, Fetterman explaining how he will use closed captioning during his face-to-face -face encounter with Oz Tuesday night. The lingering issue is they called it auditory processing, which makes it, uh, I hear and I understand everything in terms of on words, on, on paper, uh, and understand what I hear, but when we're talking about very specific and having things like this, we're going to need, ca I need captioning. Oz unveiling a plan to fight crime. We're going to deal with the crime and drugs that are creating lawlessness. An issue that has been front and center in their contest. With President Biden spending most days off the campaign trail, he made a brief visit to the Democratic National Committee's headquarters in Washington. Whether we uh, maintain control of the Senate and the House is a big deal. And uh, 
So far, we're running against the tide and we're beating the tide. It's yet another reminder that November elections will have lasting consequences for the 2024 presidential campaign, particularly governor's races in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, all states that formed Biden's blue wall just two years ago, after Donald Trump carried them in 2016. The economy is top of mind for voters as well as crime. The U.S. Senate is currently split 50-50 and Democrats hold just an eight-seat majority in the House. In other news, a New Jersey drug dealer has been charged after three New York professionals died from fentanyl overdoses. The alleged dealer and his courier have both pleaded not guilty and are awaiting trial. The three New Yorkers all purchased cocaine from the same drug dealer on the same day in March 2021. The cocaine contained a deadly amount of fentanyl. New York City health officials recorded almost 1,000 cocaine-related deaths in 2020. Over 80% of them were related to fentanyl. Buying fatal drugs has become easier over the last few years. The three people in this case sent a text to the drug dealer and a courier delivered right to their door. Others use social media apps to communicate with dealers. The buyer has no way of knowing what's in the drugs or how strong they will be. Moving on to Arizona now, Arizona's GOP nominee for governor, Kari Lake, weighed in on the fentanyl problem. She appeared in an interview on AZTV to answer questions on Sunday. Her Democratic opponent, Katie Hobbs, has refused to debate. With the Super Bowl set to be held in Arizona a month after the winner of the election is sworn in, Lake was asked if she's concerned about a possible boycott from the NFL because of her policies on border security. Here's what she had to say. Number one killer right now is fentanyl, 18 to 45. It's killing a generation of people. If the NFL is okay with that, then they got to do some soul searching. I don't think the NFL is that stupid. I really don't. So you're, you we wouldn't be concerned about that? We want to sure that we're stopping the cartels. Okay. No, I'm not concerned. Okay. The people of Arizona is who I work for. We don't have to have these senseless deaths. We're being poisoned by the cartels and the CCP. The communist regime out of China is behind this. And if you don't think that they can take down a civilization and a country over drugs, with drugs, then you need to do a history lesson. And you got to look at the opium wars. We're losing our future, Mike. And so if the NFL has a problem with that, they're going to have to uh, lick their wounds because we are going to secure our border in Arizona. The NFL has pulled the Super Bowl out of Arizona before. In 1993, they moved the event to California in protest. That's because Arizona voters choose not to make Martin Luther King Jr. Day a paid holiday. Now a group of petitioners, including Reverend Jesse Jackson, are asking the NFL to move the 2023 game out of the state as well. Lake says she doesn't take orders from or answer to the NFL and feels confident she will win if they want to play chicken over the next year's Super Bowl. And coming up, after the short-lived reign of Liz Truss, Britain has a new prime minister. We'll take a look at the challenges he faces. And Russia has accused Ukraine of plotting to use a so-called dirty bomb with the intent to blame the detonation on Russia. U.S. officials call the claims transparently false. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. Welcome back. The Justice Department called out China for bribing a U.S. government employee, but the attempt to steal secrets failed when the employee turned out to be a double agent. And today's Iris Tao has more. 
The Justice Department and the FBI announced charges for three major cases, calling out the Chinese regime for obstructing justice and undermining freedoms here in the U.S. Let's hear what FBI Director Christopher Wray has to say at a press conference today. In all three of these cases, and frankly in thousands of others, we've found the Chinese government threatening established democratic norms and the rule of law as they work to undermine U.S. economic security and fundamental human rights, including those of Americans. According to the Justice Department, in one of the cases, two intelligence officers working for the Chinese Communist Party approached a U.S. government employee. The goal was to obtain secret information about charges against Huawei, a major Chinese telecommunications company. The CCP agents paid bribes to the employee and were given documents they thought had what they wanted. But it turned out... The insider flipped the script on the defendants by working not for them, but for Team America. And of course, the documents were fake. Here's Attorney General Merrick Garland talking about it. The government of China sought to interfere with the rights and freedoms of individuals in the United States and to undermine our judicial system that protects those rights. They did not succeed. And in another case, several CCP intelligence officers were charged with trying to steal sensitive technologies in the U.S. using the cover of an academic institute. They're also accused of interfering with protests here that Garland said would have been embarrassing to the Chinese government. And in the third case, a group of seven harassed and threatened a naturalized U.S. citizen for years. The defendants threatened the victim, saying that, quote, coming back and turning herself in is the only way out and said it would be, quote, endless misery for the defendant and son to defend themselves. The press secretary mentioned that the U.S. is willing to cooperate with China in areas such as climate change, adding that it's important to keep the conversations between the two countries going. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. The White House didn't comment on the cases yesterday, other than saying the DOJ has a standard process for notification of law enforcement actions. We're going over to the UK. Rishi Sunak became Britain's youngest prime minister in more than 200 years yesterday. He's now tasked with steering the country through an economic crisis and mounting anger among some voters. Here's entity's Daniel Monaghan. It's a remarkable comeback for Sunak, who lost a leadership bid to Liz Truss less than two months ago. I am humbled and honored to have the support of my parliamentary colleagues and to be elected as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. One of the wealthiest politicians in Westminster, he enters Downing Street facing a need to make deep public spending cuts. This in order to stem a financial crisis as well as tackling a cost-of-living crunch, a winter of strikes and Russia's war in Ukraine. The United Kingdom is a great country, but there is no doubt we face a profound economic challenge. His backers say the former finance minister is a safe pair of hands who can restore Britain's credibility with investors. But the former Goldman Sachs analyst and hedge fund partner also faces challenges within the governing Conservative Party. Some lawmakers in the party accuse him of bringing down their hero, Boris Johnson, and are concerned he doesn't have what it takes to win elections. President Joe Biden reacted. Expected to become the prime minister, I think, tomorrow when he goes to see the king. Pretty astounding. A groundbreaking milestone. The opposition Labour Party is likely to paint him as a member of the uber-rich elite, out of touch with the pressures faced by millions. 
This as Britain slides towards a recession dragged down by the surging cost of food and energy. His father-in-law is an Indian billionaire and the founder of software giant Infosys. During his campaign against trust, Sunak repeatedly described her ideas as fairytale economics that would spook the markets. He was proven right, but some conservatives say they doubt his commitment to a Margaret Thatcher-style small-state vision to spur growth. They highlight the fact that he put Britain on course for the highest tax burden since the 1950s with emergency COVID pandemic spending. Sunak is the first Indian Heritage Prime Minister. He had a privileged education studying politics, philosophy, and economics at Oxford University, like David Cameron and Liz Truss before him. Despite what critics may say, Sunak's supporters believe he is just the man who is needed to steady the ship financially after Truss's economic program sparked panic in the financial markets. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The Kremlin has accused Ukraine of plotting to use a dirty bomb with the intent to blame the detonation on Russia. The United States rejected the claim as transparently false. Concerned. The U.S. and other Western countries have accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of plotting to escalate action in Ukraine, based on a pretext that Moscow believes Kyiv will use a dirty bomb, a device laced with nuclear material. This follows Russia's defense ministry claim that Ukraine plans to use a dirty bomb to terrify the local population and increase exodus of refugees to Europe, while painting Russia as a nuclear threat. We know the Kremlin's track record uh, when it comes to these types of claims. We reject the transparently false allegation that Ukraine is preparing to use a dirty bomb on its own territory. Scott Roker from the Nuclear Threat Initiative says there's no battlefield advantage to using a dirty bomb and that it wouldn't change the course of the war. I see it as more of a pretext for something, uh, some escalatory step on the Russian side if, if, if something were to happen. I don't see uh, any reason that Ukraine would want to use a, a dirty bomb in this war. A dirty bomb uses conventional explosives to propel radioactive materials. The materials are used in medical research and can be found in nearly every country. However, the bombs would have a relatively small explosion and would likely cause limited, if any, deaths or severe illness. These are really not great for battlefield uh, use. Um, they're more of a psych psychological weapon uh, when you're trying to scare people, intimidate people. No dirty bomb attacks have ever been recorded. However, two decades ago, two failed attempts occurred in the Russian province of Chechnya. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. What would you do if you had a pumpkin the size of a small cow? Would you eat it, maybe turn it into a boat? Some Belgians made their decision. We'll show you after the break, so stay with us. Continuing the program with some good news for Henry Cavill fans, he has confirmed he will return to the screen as Superman. The British actor broke the news on Instagram. Hey everyone, I wanted to wait until the weekend was over before posting this uh, because I wanted to give you all a chance to watch Black Adam. But now that plenty of you have, I wanted to make it official that I am back as Superman. <laughs> okay, this may be a spoiler alert, but Cavill had actually already appeared as the Man of Steel for a cameo at the end of Black Adam. That's uh, the D new DC superhero film with Dwayne Johnson, for those that aren't familiar. Yeah, I see you're pretty excited about it. Did you watch that one yet? 
I didn't yet, but I look forward to it. Oh, okay, yeah, let me know how it goes. All right, on to some other news. A Philippines local broke another jump rope world record. Yes, you heard it right. This is his second time, and that's also how he earned the title of Skipman. In July, Skipman performed 3,731 consecutive crossover skips, breaking the old record by more than 1,300 skips. Last year, he performed almost 41,000 double under skips in 12 hours, earning him the Guinness World Record. He says his experience running a marathon was what prepared him for the endurance feat. Alonzo says skipping started as a warm-up routine, but has turned into a way to inspire his country. Hi, I'm Ryan Alonzo, the Guinness World Record holder of the most double under skips in 12 hours, and also the Guinness World Record holder of the most consecutive jump rope crossovers. I want to break more records because of the, because I feel the impact that I, I was able to do to, to people. I feel that uh, there are a lot of people who started jump rope or started any fitness activity. So Alonzo has a record for the crossover and double under skip. Yeah, the crossover is when you cross your hands over as you circle the rope around your body and then the double under means the rope travels twice around your body when you when you go between jumps. Right, and he did almost, if you caught that, 41,000 skips in 12 hours. That's impressive. Actually, just jumping rope for 12 hours is already impressive. Oh yeah, that's a workout. And he was allowed to make rests and even mistakes, but he averaged almost a skip every second, even still. Wow, well, onto another topic. Halloween is just around the corner, which of course means pumpkins on the front porch. But in Belgium, pumpkins have another purpose, they are made into racing boats, and not just one. Let's take a look. Perhaps you've made a pumpkin into a soup before. Or maybe even a jack-o'-lantern. The Casterly Pumpkin Society in Belgium has a pumpkin growing competition every year. And at the end of the year, they have to get creative. The reason why we started is that years ago we started competing and after the competition we were stuck with huge pumpkins. So we started thinking about what we could do with them and we found out that in the US they were already boating with pumpkins. Around 20 pumpkins take part in the race, however some like to play bumper cars. Either way, it's a really gourd time. It was great. We are all competitive and we really give it all for our supporters. If you want to make a giant pumpkin into a seaworthy vessel, you're going to need power tools. Starting in 2000, the competition had pumpkins as big as 900 pounds. Now they are coming in over 2,000 pounds. These pumpkins are too heavy to use as a boat and we are having more and more of them. So actually we have fewer and fewer pumpkins that can be used as a boat. That might be a problem in the coming years. Competitors say it's sticky, oily, and feels like you're always about to fall in. But they also say they love the competition. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Oh man, I just can't get enough of these pumpkin stories for this season. Yeah, that one looked very fun. I wonder how many soups you can make with all those pumpkins. That's interesting. You know, I made an acorn soup once and I actually filled the soup inside the uh, acorn squash. Mm. Decorative. Mm, yeah. yeah. And did you see the guy's hairstyle? That was so cool. It's almost I as did. cool as the pumpkins. <laughs> Explosive. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're wrapping the program here. Don't forget to send us an email at goodmorningatntd.com if you have anything you want to share with us. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.